Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Doctoring Duo podcast hosted by your favorite medical students, Eleni and Noah. Um, we are a no holds barred, uh, honest feedback podcast where we give you real, real honest perspectives on what it is to be a medical student um, from formerly average pre-meds to our average pre-meds. Um, today's topic is going to be Halloween theme. That's why it's coming out on Halloween. Um, is how scary are preclinicals? So as always, um, I'm a student at Penn State College of Medicine, and I don't speak for the institution. I only speak for myself. Right. Same here. My name is Noah, and I'm a m- medical student at Mayo Clinic, and uh, the views that I express are my own and not those of Mayo Clinic. All right. Man, we are in the middle of preclinicals right now. Not in the middle, the beginning. Yeah, we're in the very beginning, we should say. Yeah, I was just telling Noah that um, I just got back from the library. That's why I'm 10 (laughs) minutes late to start recording this, uh, because I was studying for my exam that I have on Friday. (laughs) Um, So we have a few topics we'd like to hit. So I think the first one we want to talk about was block structure. So do you want to talk about how Mayo does their blocks? Yeah, sure. So I guess we should give a little bit of context of exactly what we mean by block structure. So a block structure is a dedicated period of time where you cover a specific subject. In the case of medical school, this is going to be your preclinical science subjects. So um, for Mayo, it's anywhere from two to seven weeks. So two is on the shorter end, seven is obviously getting on close to two months. Um, And so far, in my experience, we've had biochemistry, genetics, and histology was our first block. Then I just got done with anatomy that was a whirlwind and on monday which is tomorrow um, we're going to be starting pathology and immunology and that's going to finish out the rest of my year Um, and then starting in the new year we're going to be doing microbiology so basically most schools how they do it now is they just have set weeks of time and you cover a specific subject yeah kind of the same here i don't think we'd have any blocks that are as short as two weeks um i think everything is usually like five, six weeks at minimum. Um, And I think our longest block is actually going to be our next one, which is um, cardio rest, which lasts from, uh, lasts from November until February because we have breaks. So it's, it's a long, it's a long block. Um, I don't know. Do you like the block structure? I like the block structure. I like um, for context, my parents um, both went to medical school and back in the day, they just kind of threw everything at you. So I think it's changed a lot in the sense that you, you're not learning biochemistry, genetics and anatomy and learning differential diagnosis. It, it was just a mess, I guess is the way to put it. So now it's a little bit cleaner. I like that you can focus on one thing at a time and you can really like, um, focus on that specific subject and not worry about everything else quite as much. So I do like that. And um, it's nice to, you know, have one subject and then you're done. Um, So yeah, I I feel like it's a good way to do things. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that as well. Um, I think it's, I think it's different from college as well, because like you're all focused on like one thing, whereas like in college, you're taking cell bio and then you go to genetics and then you're doing genetics. And then when you're in physics, you're totally doing something else and you all have to take that all at once and manage five different subjects in your mind. And I feel like 
at least the way Penn State structures it, I feel like it's additive. It builds on each other um, in a way that I think is good for my learning. So, like, we started with the foundational stuff. And it sounds like Mayo does the same thing, where it's, like, foundational, like, scientific principles of medicine, like, genetics, like, all sorts of different things. And then we build on, like, the next broad layer is the immune system, right? Because the immune system underlies everything. And then we build on to that, which is cardiorespiratory, and, and not to that, and not to that. And I think that uh, that kind of, we call it spiral learning here, where, like, you start with something, and then you come back to it later on. I, it looks like, Noah, you're familiar with it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, um, yeah, no, it was a common, um, Mayo doesn't exactly use that terminology, but it was common across the med- medical school interview trail, like, sort of, like, um, that language how they use to describe their curriculums um, kind of like how you're saying how everything builds on it I kind of feel the same way um, we started very much at the cellular level like looking at cells um, you know everybody's favorite friend the Krebs cycle and then we got an, a broad overview of gross anatomy literally the entire human body in the span of two months and so and then from here on it's going to get more and more specific so like pathology and immunology then microbiology, then we're going to start going into our organ systems. So every school has a different way of doing it, but from what it sounds like, both of our schools do a pretty good job of setting a foundation and then you keep building on that. Yeah. Um, I would definitely agree with that. And, and kind of, I wanted to ask you, um, how have you been studying? Like how, what does your studying look like? Yeah. So that's actually a really good question for me. It's been a little bit different in between the two blocks I've had so far. With biochemistry and genetics, um, it was bo- it was definitely boards and beyond. Um, my in-house lectures, I, I'm a person who still goes to lectures for the most part, um, used Anki. For anatomy, it was a lot of going into the anatomy lab and Anki too. Anatomy is one of those things where it's a lot of pure memorization so it was just really long days, you know, in the anatomy lab, cranking out Anki cards and a little bit more intense than biochemical pathways, which a lot of pre-meds have seen multiple times at that point. How many hours a day would you say you're studying and how do you compare that to undergrad? Yeah, that's a good question. And some for biochemistry and genetics, in some ways it was less intense than undergrad I would probably Mm -hmm. say like three to five hours a day um in undergrad I know like we've talked about it like for us undergrad was brutal at times and it was definitely like I felt like I get home from class and study the rest of the day in med school I didn't feel like it was that bad um until anatomy (laughs) and then (laughs) anatomy it got so much worse um I was probably studying six seven like maybe eight, especially near the final, like that last two week push before our final. For reference, we only had one exam in anatomy. It was one final. So you had a practical and you had an MBME style multiple choice examination. And that was like pretty much the entirety of your grade, except for some small little things that we did. So that final push was, that was like all day studying. Great. Well, I'm already all day studying without anatomy, so um, that's reassuring. Um, but yeah, I would say that I feel like I'm studying more than undergrad, but like it's not, I don't know, it's just draining. I, I don't know how to describe mm-hmm. it, but it's because it's, it's focused on one topic and it's also not like, okay, 
I have to carve out two hours for this exam and then I do the next one. It's like, okay, I'm all doing on one exam and it's like figuring out where my weaknesses are. And I think like, so we've been doing bugs and drugs. So like I've had to learn way too many bugs um, and way too many drugs um, these past couple of weeks. But it's like, okay, I'm weak on this. I can focus on it. Instead of saying, you know, I have to split my time between this and, and several other things. I, I would say six to eight hours a day outside of class is a pretty good assessment. Um, one thing with Anki as well, I do Anki like an hour to about two hours a day, yeah, um, depending here. on, yeah. So depending on how many cards I have, one thing about Anki that I noticed, uh, was that I can't just brute force it because like, if I'm looking at something and I have no idea like what the base material is, I'm just not going to retain it. And so it's important for me to do force and beyond Pathoma, whatever I need to do prior to that in order to make sure I had that foundation for that content. Oh yeah, most definitely. I have some people in my class who've tried to brute force it and you know, if it worked and I guess it, it worked for them, for me, it was not, I, I'm like you, I cannot see some random step of like some pathway or some name of some drug and then just be able to repeat it and get it. Like I have to have some conceptual understanding of what I'm learning and it drives me crazy if I don't. So I'm very much like you where I, I would go to lecture, watch reports and beyond video and then do Anki. I think that's really the way to do it, especially for long term retention and not just passing the block, which is really the goal. This is like for our patients, right? It's not to pass a test. So. All right. Well, speaking of tests, my tests are very based on problem-based learning. Um, so I think that's a good segue into that. So for those of the uninitiated, problem-based learning is essentially where you're put in small groups and you're given cases, at least for us, we're given cases where we're meant to discern like important learning objectives about the disease and uh, find our answers and come back and discuss and create something cohesive. Uh, we started doing like differential diagnosis with it. So like this patient, we had one was literally this patient presents with a fever to the ED and was like, make a differential diagnosis. And it's like, well, it could be anything. Yeah. Like this person could be allergic to like sulfa drugs. They could be, you know, dying of sepsis. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it can be frustrating sometimes, but uh, that's our primary mode of learning. We do have lectures, but lectures are meant to supplement problem-based learning. Mm. And problem-based learning is meant to teach us fundamentals. So um, to give an example, we had to do lymphoma. And so as part of our course of lymphoma, it was understanding like hematopoiesis, understanding like B and T cell development, how they respond, how they can go wrong. So you have to understand all the underlying mechanisms to work up to lymphoma. Um, so that's the way Penn State teachers were in groups of like seven to eight people who were taught by like a led by a PhD or a doctor who don't really lead us. They kind of let us do whatever we want and then they'll just push us back on track. Like if we're talking about lymphoma and then we start randomly talking about like trastuzumab, which is a breast cancer drug, they'll be like, no, please don't do that. Like, let's bring <laughs> it back on track. Um, but outside of that, I think it's a really great way to learn. I've been enjoying it, um, except when it comes to test time, you know, because you don't enjoy anything <laughs> then. But <laughs> it's really cool to learn about like different diseases. Like we've done like skid, fragile X disease. We've done diabetes. We've done all sorts of cool stuff with our problem-based learning. And it's what most of our tests are on. Wow, yeah, that's a really... Um... Sounds like a really interesting and fun way to learn. So Mayo has a little bit of that. It's not our primary modality through which content is delivered. 
Um, at least in the blocks I've experienced so far, I've heard from upperclassmen that it can be more of a flipped classroom, which is another term for problem-based learning, or it can be um, later on. Um, we have some small groups, like in biochemistry and genetics, we do something to like what Eleni would experience where we'd have a case, say, on like skid or um, leukodystrophy or something like that. And we discuss it, go over like how a typical patient would present, like, you know, what are labs, what are, what are things that we need to start thinking about as far as management. Um, for histology, it was, okay, you're in a room, we have an MD with us, he just kind of sits there in the corner, we look around the cell or cells and find um, features and it's really guided by us um, if we have questions. Um, that being said, lectures are, and other content or recorded videos were still the primary means, I'd say that we learned. And it's about to get a little bit more hands-on with small groups as we're about to start the differential diagnosis as Eleni was saying, um, so going through some of those. Um, so yeah, I guess I'll leave it at that. Yeah, and I, I do wanna say like PBLs, like even though they're slightly different between our schools, that is something I've noticed as a general commonality between schools people will tend to have problem-based learning groups uh, just as, to some degree, it's part of the whole like holistic, humanistic, whatever buzzword learning uh, that they're throwing around. And it's meant also, I think, for a teamwork exercise. So like there are definitely groups that don't get along, like you have egos in medicine, like it is what it is. And so I think it's because you're gonna be working in a team, at least Penn State's philosophy is you're working in a team, um, right? When you're an intern, when you're a resident, whatever, and it makes sense to start doing it now, right? Because we're making differential diagnoses. We're talking about different diseases, just like you would if you were a resident. And so the whole idea is to kind of prep you and gear your towards residency. Yeah. And I think more sort of like to build off what Eleni was saying, the goal is really to get you communicating um, in an effective fashion and, you know, to express your ideas in a clear and coherent manner to others and to you know, work with different personality types, their personalities in medicine. And if you're not able to, you know, put your feelings about a certain person aside or how you're feeling about them in the moment, even though you might really like them, maybe what they said rubbed you the wrong way. Um, it's really about, you know, can we focus on the task at hand and like get this done? And that's also an objective, even sometimes more so than the specific disease that you're studying. Yeah, I, I think though, talking about teamwork and collaboration segues as well to our next discussion, yeah. which is pass fail grading. A great, yeah, pass fail grading. Um, so, one of the better parts of med school, I would say, is um, for most MD schools and a lot of DO schools too, is pass fail grading. You're not in college anymore where you're striving to get that 95% so you don't ruin your GPA. Um, which is really nice. So here at Mayo, what we have is um, pass, pass with remediation and fail. Um, and typically how it works at Mayo and pretty much every school has pass fail grading is you need a 70% or more either in the course um, or on the final or both when you pass the scores. Um, I think Eleni's gonna talk a little bit about the difference at her school but here, our numeric scores are given to us instead of just a pass or fail. 
Yeah, so numeric scores are, are not given to us um, here at Penn State. Um, you can request them if you like, but what they do do, though, is they tell us, like, internally, like, if you pass or if you borderline pass. So, like, there's, like, a 10% range where they consider it's a borderline, and that means that you need to, like, evaluate your study skills, but you technically pass. Mm-hmm. Like, it's 70 to 80%, like, that range. And then 80% or above is a full pass. And so you can request to see your score. Um, I saw mine for the first exam. Um, it's it's meant to encourage collaboration and decrease neuroticism and just generally make you feel better about the process, which I think it has, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, I'm much less stressed out than I was in undergrad, uh, to be sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think... The biggest piece of advice, at least I've seen thrown around Reddit, SDN, all that kind of stuff, is do pick a school that is pass-fail um, because it's a rough environment to be in. If it's not pass-fail because you're all competing against each other and it's also just it's just not as healthy and it doesn't really facilitate I feel like I'm, I, I don't know I, I, maybe you don't maybe you don't agree, you know, but I feel like I'm learning more of the material because it's not pass-fail. It's like, okay, I can t- because it is pass-fail, excuse me. Because I feel like I can take my time and learn the information. It's like, oh, well, you know, even if I miss something, it's okay. But I end up not missing it anyways. Right. No, I actually feel the same way. I think it actually, in contrast to like a graded, uh, like a traditional ABCD um, F scale, this actually encourages you to truly learn the material to actually learn it and not just pass a test. And I think part of it is, it, it encourages a different mindset. In undergrad, you do need to know everything and every little detail about the Krebs cycle because your goal is to pass a test. In medicine, your, your goal is to treat your patient and you're not always going to know everything and that's okay. And there's going to be, t- you're gonna, medicine is a continual cycle of forgetting things and then relearning it. And for me to have that pressure to really just learn and to be there in a moment and not focus on the minutia and get the big deep and get the big things and then add on details continuously as we go as I go through my career is um a big stress reliever um so I think that's like the biggest thing is it really changes your mindset of them in this for the long haul and not just for the short defined really sucky semester (laughs) I don't know when you took biochem how it was but when I took biochem in undergrad at UVA we spent a week or a week and a half on Michaela's menu. I remember that <laughs> very distinctly. Yeah. Like deriving it, calculating it, doing problems, like that kind of thing. Here, they were just like, here's Michaela's menu. Here's what it is. Just know it exists and like why we have it. And then they moved on. It was, it's very different. And I think you put it better than I did is that you're not as focused on the minutiae. I will say though, there are people who do try to gain the system uh, who are like, I'm going to study the bare minimum just to pass yeah don't be one of those people um because it will hurt you on boards right so if you do have that Anki card that's related but not really directly taught just do it right if it's familiar just do it because you're going to be hating yourself when it comes step one time even though step one is pass fail step one is pass fail yes however right asterisks that being said it's still hard to pass Right. And if you slack during your preclinical years, you're going to have a hard time when it comes to step one prep. Yeah, for sure. And to build off that, pass fail is not code for coasting. 
because like Eleni said, you're everybody's like, oh man, I'm used to getting every pre-med is pretty much a great student at this point. We've established that. So everybody's used to 80s and 90s. It's like, man, all I need is a 70. Let me tell you something, you will be fighting for that 70 <laughs> or above in medical school. And um, it's just different. The sheer volume of material is, is just different. You're learning about the entire human body and all these disease processes that present in different ways and different people. And the same individual can, can have different <laughs> manifestations of the same thing at two different points in time. It, there's just too much you can't cram like an undergrad it, it I would love to see the person who took a week before the anatomy final and studied I it's not it's just not possible it, it's it's just fundamentally yeah. different yeah I will say cram culture is really non-existent like majority of people start at least a week beforehand there's just too much so if you are a crammer my advice is learn how to stop cramming because it will only hurt you when you come to medical school because it's just, it's, it's not possible. <laughs> yeah. It's not possible. You can maybe get away with it for subjects that you're familiar with. Like maybe, maybe you're a biochemistry major. Maybe that first block of medical school is like, you're like, man, this is my jam. Like, this is great, but you will eventually get to something, whether it's anatomy, cardiology, wh whatever it is for you, where it, it's not going to mesh well with your brain and you need to take the time to sit with it. So just get in the habit of doing it now and save yourself the trouble down the road. Yep. I definitely agree with that, but I, I think we kind of talked in a few different directions, but I think, you know, at its core pass fail is probably one of the best things that could have happened to modern medical school. I think it just made the environment more collaborative. I think it took like the mental pressure off of people and it just made it a lot more enjoyable i think compared to i i don't even know was it 10 years ago where they all pass fail or is that a relatively new phenomenon yeah that's a good question it certainly wasn't pass fail <laughs> um, more than 20 years ago it's it's relatively new but i think you're right like i think pass fail certainly at the i think it started in the high rank schools and now it's trickled down into like the middle uh, and i say this like lightly because you know, all MD schools are, are great schools. Like tiers are just arbitrary ranking numbers given. But it's my point is it's trickled down to the other schools. And yeah, I'd say like within the last decade, the majority of schools have become pass fail. And I, like you were saying, it's a really good thing, I think, for not only students' mental health, um, but, you know, just in general for for medicine as as, as a culture. We had a culture that needed changing and i think pass fail did a lot to relieve yeah. that that burden yeah amen to that culture <laughs> culture thing i think there's there's a lot of unhealthiness i think that is fed into you like at least in undergrad because um i don't know like you're always in like this race it's like with everybody else like you're fighting you're you're fighting for the grades you're fighting for that spot in the class you're fighting for the office hours you're fighting to ask questions it makes it, it makes this very unhealthy competitive mindset and then it's like once you're out of it it's like whoa what do i do with all this freedom right yeah and you know like the beauty of medicine is like you get to collaborate with people and like in a culture where you feel like you can't because you need that grade or only 10 percent can make honors just doesn't 
it fundamentally undermines one of the central goals of medicine, which is to like put all of our minds together to help others. And yeah, that I think I've kind of beat it over the head, but <laughs> my point yeah. is it, it's been, it, it's a really great thing for medical schools. And if you have the privilege to attend the medical school that's pass fail, if it's at all within your power, um, please do so. You'll, you'll love yourself for it. <laughs> So we kind of wanted to talk about teamwork as well before we before, before we wrap up because this is going to be a shorter episode. Um, but teamwork. So we talked a little bit about teamwork, um, a lot about teamwork actually, uh, kind of in like PBLs, how that's structured, how they're prepping you for residency and that kind of thing. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add, Noah, before I talked about collaborative exams? Um, yeah, so it sounds like collaborative from my understanding for you, you guys actually get to work together on your exams. Mm -hmm. Is that right? At least for mm -hmm. part of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So at Mayo teamwork is a little bit more in the sense of like our um, early clinical exposure is really where you get to see people collaborate in teams. We don't have um, collaborative exams here at Mayo. It's all individual. Um, but I like that idea of a collaborative exam that sounds really neat being able to like bounce ideas off of each other well they make them really hard <laughs> <laughs> okay well so, there you go you know, our last collaborative exam so that we we do it in our pbl rooms which are also like our foundations of patient care rooms so it means we also see standardized patients in there so there are exam tables and somebody was laying on the exam table one guy was playing with the light thing because we we didn't know the answer like to this last, it was the last question on our collab exam. We were like, okay, let's all take a break and we'll come back. And so <laughs> we were just sitting there trying to figure out the answer to this question. Um, but no, it's 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 a good. It's been in my experience pretty good. Um, I usually am not a huge fan of like group stuff, but like people work together well. And one thing I like is that people will challenge each other, but like not in a disrespectful way. Like, hey, like I don't necessarily agree with that. Like, let's talk about it, and like people will talk about it. And like I said, I think it's really good practice for residency. I think it's a good practice for, you know, real life where you're forced to be in conversations like this. I worked in the emergency room. I, I, I think, I don't know what clinical settings you worked in, Noah, so maybe you saw this as well. But like when I was in the emergency room, the best residents were always the ones that came back and asked for feedback, always. And the ones that like talked and were accepting and listening of others. And I think that's really what Penn State is trying to foster. Um, there's one person who's a scribe who has to write down everything. I usually nominate myself because I can type really fast. Um, and also it forces me to pay attention <laughs> and engage with the exam. Um, so it's also contingent on whether or not you have a good scribe. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a good experience. It's our midterm. So we have like, it's kind of like a midway point to assess your learning. And then our final, our summative is individuals. Like the one I'm taking on Friday is individual. Um, it provides a good good balance, I would say. Yeah, no, that sounds like a really great and like fun way to learn. Um, I haven't, we haven't really gotten quite there as far as like our physical exam and clinical um, learning yet. We're about to start. Um, something that's going to be really cool is like when we're with the standardized patient is like your classmates get to watch you and your personal interaction with the patient. Um, and then they can give you feedback about how you felt they did or what, what you, what, they thought you did great, what, but what you did wrong, along with the physician too. So you kind of get that that experience of working with your peers. 
um, sort of like to what Eleni alluded to. So I'll be sure to get back to you on that when we get there in that part of our learning. So the first day of Foundations of Patient-Centered Care, we were learning how to take histories. And I, being the person that I am, um, <laughs> raised my hand and I was the first one to do it. Because, um, you know, I had scribing experience. So I was like, you know what, I should be the one to do it. Sure. And she, I, I'm sitting in a chair. So there's these big tables in our rooms. And I'm sitting in the chair with the SP and me. And then everybody's looking at me. It was two groups combined. So it was like 10 people and two doctors. And they're just like, okay, take a history. And then afterwards, she's like, okay, stay there. Stay sitting there. And then she says, I want each of you to give her a piece of feedback. And like... <laughs> It was me sitting there with everybody looking at me for 30 minutes, giving me feedback. It wasn't mean. It was great. It was very helpful. Um, I think I think that it was a really good experience. But I definitely will say, like, don't be intimidated by the teamwork aspect. I think that everyone is equally nervous. And everybody, because it's pass-fail and because, you know, of the collaborative environment that they build, I think everyone wants you to succeed as well. Yeah, for sure. And the um, few standardized patient encounters that I've had, I will say a good piece of advice for you. If a lot of the times they're going to be like, they'll, they'll ask for a volunteer because they don't, re they're not really in the business of forcing a poor first year medical student to be the first one to take a history or do a physical exam if you don't want to. But I would say like, like Eleni, I, I was usually the person to volunteer, not that I had the most experience. I have people in my class who I've had much more clinical experience. They've been RNs or um, have some nursing experience, but you know, it's just good to get it out of the way, M make your mistake, get over that hump of like, I'm going to say something wrong. Or what if I accidentally hurt the patient with my, <laughs> by putting the scope in their ear wrong or something. Yeah, that is, that is a big thing. Apparently med students as a whole are too gentle. I got yelled at, not yelled at, but <laughs> chided several times for being too gentle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you, some things you actually have to put a decent amount of pressure. Like when you're doing the GI exam, you, you, you can't press too hard, apparently. Like, I'm like, am I hurting you? And they're like, no, no, press harder. So that, that's like a thing. And to like, just get over that. And like the physical exam, and I know I'm getting a little bit off topic here, is like really weird if you haven't had a lot of experience with it before because you're in somebody's personal space. And it, it's almost like a truly like sacred thing because you're allowing, this person is allowing you to do things um, with their body that they wouldn't normally do. Like you have a special relationship with that human being. Um, so it it's just good to get used to that and to, you know, get ready to do that because that's what you're going to do for the rest of your career. And it's nice to see people go through it too, like your teammates. And then you notice something that they did that maybe wasn't quite right or they do it really well. So then you can copy it or not do it. And it's just a really good experience. Um. Yeah, I had an SP grab my hand because I, I was trying to feel the liver and I just wasn't feeling it. And he was like, here, let me show you. And he grabs my hand and like shoves it under like his ribs. And he's like, do you feel it now? And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, no, he was he was a good SP. Um, hey, so just before we wrap up, I don't have something called selectives, at least not that I'm aware of, but do you want to briefly give a, a summary of what selectives are? Yeah, sure. I'd actually love to. So this is where I get to brag about Mayo a little bit. Um, so selectives are these week-long periods of time in between our blocks. So let's say biochemistry, genetics, and histology, which was my first block. After we got done with that, we had our exam. We have a week before we start our next block, which was anatomy. 
you could choose to spend that week in a variety of ways. You could take vacation. You could say, hey, I want to get clinical exposure. I want to shadow a physician. We have selectives where you could learn a skill, say like phlebotomy, learning how to take blood. You could do research. It's really up to you. It's really a way for you to enhance your learning, um, to do something that you normally wouldn't be able to do that a lot of students don't get a chance to do at other institutions. Um, I found it to be a great way to explore different areas of medicine. In my first selective, I spent some time in various psychiatry units, which was really fun. Um, for my second selective, which I just got done with, was neuroradiology. And I got to work with a really cool resident over at the Arizona campus who personally walked me through how to read CT and MRI scans. Um, so the possibilities are kind of endless and um, I'm really looking forward to my future ones. And I'm actually involved in some longitudinal selectives which are um, take place over a longer span of time, weeks to months. Um, one of them is bioethics where I'm learning about various issues in bioethics, which has been um, nice and refreshing from the daily grind of science and anatomy that I'm constantly being bombarded with. So that's just a little bit about a Mayo specific thing. Other schools might have something similar, um, but that's just what Mayo does. Yeah, um, I don't, I mean, we definitely have opportunities to explore. Like I've done some shadowing and a few different things, but um, nothing like super formal. We do have to shadow like our, our student advisor coaches called SACS which uh, teaches foundations of patient care. So I have done that, um, like required shadowing, but not not on that level. So thanks for sharing about that. I don't know how common that is. Um, but the last thing we should probably hit is resources. And I think we can probably save this for another video, but we can give people just like a general idea of like what's commonly used. So sketchy definitely for bugs and drugs. 100% I would be dead without sketchy. <laughs> Uh, really came in clutch for learning penicillin, cephalosporins, learning all the bugs because I just would not remember all of it. Um, Borns and Beyond, uh, good for some things, not good for everything. He's he's good, but sometimes he's a little dry, and sometimes the videos are a little long. Um, so you know, keep that in mind. Um, Anki is a must, I think, for everybody. Um, Amboss, I also use for my problem-based learning, and then Penn State gives us up-to-date in osmosis. So, yeah, so a few, few resources throughout there that we can go in depth in on a resource-focused video. Yeah, for sure. We'll be sure to film an entire um, episode about resources used during preclinicals. Um, some that I found helpful so far have been Boards and Beyond. I actually like his voice. Maybe he's a little monotone. He can put you to sleep. But, you know, I like it. I like that style of lecturing, and I think he's truly excellent, and he tends to keep it um, pretty high yield. So I've definitely enjoyed Boards and Beyond. Like Lenny said, Anki is just, I don't know how you do med school without at least a little bit of Anki. Um, some lesser known resources. Lenny actually shared this one with me. It's called like Med School Bootcamp. Um, it was priceless for anatomy. Like I was looking something to like do some practice, um, practical images with cadavers. And like they had the most beautiful images of cadavers and I'm like oh my god I will be thanking Eleni for the rest of my life because she like saved my life in those last two weeks of anatomy um so that was really good I haven't had I have embossed haven't had too much of a chance to use it 
for those who don't know, Amboss is like a question bank and they also have some really good um, articles. And I believe they even have like some 3D models for anatomy too. Um, so yeah, that, that's just a brief overview of what we've used so far. And we'll be sure to make a video and maybe even make specific videos about how we studied in each block, if that's something that people are interested in. Cool. Yeah, well, I'm glad MedSchool Bootcamp helped out. It's a relatively new resource, so we'll see where it goes. Um, but check your school for group discounts because I got a group discount on Ambos, and there's a few other things that you can do and see what your school has because they'll provide different options. So with that being said, I think this is a good place to conclude. Have a happy Halloween, everybody. Yeah, um, happy Halloween. It's spooky season. Well, almost the end of spooky season. Right. So we're just here to let you know that <laughs> Preclinical sound scary, but they're not that scary. And we went over block structure, our studying schedules, problem-based learning, pass-fail grading, the concept of teamwork and what that means for residency, selectives, which is Mayo-specific, and then just some resources that we use. So as always, uh, if you like our content, please uh, hit subscribe or follow or download or whatever it tells you to do on that platform. Give us a like, leave us a comment. If you have any questions, email us at thedoctoringduo at gmail.com. We check the email occasionally, uh, and we'd love to uh, see your questions. But outside of that, have a happy and safe Halloween, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Yeah, happy Halloween, guys. See y'all.